Hello and welcome to the third episode of Bar Talk, the Alvin Older Law Group podcast. My name is Michael Murphy. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Alvin Older Law. And today we are joined by a very, very special guest, Chris Oldner, Senior Partner uh, of Alvin Oldner Law. And uh, if you recall, our last podcast was with Todd Alvin, the Managing Partner of Alvin Oldner Law. And um, I think we set the bar low enough with Todd that this shouldn't be that, that big of a problem. I appreciate you making it easy for but me. But thank you so much for being here, Chris. You know, really like we did in our last podcast, I want to spend a little bit of time just so people can get to know you, a little bit about you, about your background, uh, how you eventually made your way here uh, to uh, the firm. And um, uh, for people who don't know, um, you graduated law school from Texas Tech University. And I think your first job out of law school was in Tyler. Uh, working for the district attorney's office in Tyler. Smith County District Attorney is a misdemeanor prosecutor. Misdemeanor prosecutor. I can't only imagine the sort of cases that you came across. Everything you can imagine that happens in East Texas, <laughs> yes, I got to handle all of that, yeah. And then you moved from Tyler to Dallas, and you became a prosecutor in the DA's office in Dallas, or actually in Collin County. Collin County. In Collin County, I'm sorry. And uh, you did that for a couple of years, and then you became a judge. Yeah, I spent uh, eight years in the Collin County District Attorney's Office working my way up and eventually decided that the people who were deciding my cases and making decisions, that, that was an important job and I wanted to make sure the right decisions were made, so decided to run for judge. And, and so it's a public office. Absolutely. And so I'm just curious, stepping back at that time, what were kind of some of the motivations? I mean, you clearly just identified one of those as yeah. far as, you know, but being a little facetious. But um, did you ever thought you wanted to seek a public office? I always had an idea that I liked public service. I mean, the idea that you're doing something that's good for society, in addition to doing something that is challenging and good for your career, it all came together in that position. Uh, the reality is it was more, though, being in the courtroom, yeah. trying those cases, testing some of the difficult legal issues. I knew that I wanted a person on that bench who was going to handle them correctly mm -hmm. and going to do what's right for the citizens and what's right for that case. And the only way to make sure at least one person was going to be that way is to actually take responsibility for it and run. Yeah. Yeah. So um, judge in Collin County for a total of... Uh, 16 years, eight months. I say 17 years, but I'm rounding up. 16 <laughs> years, eight months, starting at County Court of Law and right. then got appointed to the district bench and served there for 13 years. So I know you're very understated about being appointed to the district bench. It's just not like something you wake up and it, and it happens. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about the process about how you became appointed, who appointed you, um, and the background around that? So 2003, the legislature approved two district benches for Collin County because of our growth. One to come online in uh, the September of that year, the next one to come online a year later. So the 416th coming online, September of that year, a year later, the 417th came mm. online. So literally it was a matter of filling out an application, contacting people you knew that had influence and power and asking them to put a good word in for you. Uh, and then contacting your local political delegation, mm. your representatives, your senators, and saying, I want this position, uh, will you support me? So I put my application in, interviewed with the governor's office. It was Rick Perry at the time, uh, Governor Goodhair, that was uh, in the office at that time. 
And uh, it was a long, complicated process. I hear this debate all the time, whether you should appoint or elect judges. Mm -hmm. The most political process I've ever been through is the appointment process. Mm. And it's all done behind closed doors. Uh, what makes a difference and what actually comes makes it uh, makes you rise to the top, I can't tell you for sure. I'd like to say, you know, obviously the best choice was made mm -hmm. at the time. But the reality is when I got the call for that appointment, the first thing I did is start getting calls from everybody else I knew who had put in that for that appointment telling me, I didn't get it. Have you gotten a call yet? I didn't get it. Have you gotten a call yet? Literally, I was on the phone with what I thought was a very good candidate for that position saying, I didn't get it. Have you gotten a call yet? As I was talking to them, I get it. My calls interrupted yeah. by the governor's office calling me to say I've been appointed. Wow. You know, I kind of assumed it was a bit of a political process, right? Inevitably so. Inevitably so. So 13 years as a judge and... Um, as a district judge. As a district judge. And then um, you decide, I've done what I can do. And you decide to go back to becoming a uh, private practice, practicing attorney. Uh, and you joined Alvin Oldner in 2020. So, so clearly at that point, you can see the downward spiral kind of happening in your... It was Dante's seventh ring know, by that District point, Court Judge Alvin Oldner. It's, yeah, there's, I can see... The we thing. all make compromises. <laughs> no. In, in serious, though, you lead our family law practice, mm -hmm. which is a very large uh, practice within the firm. We have uh, seven attorneys, including your, yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, in addition to having your own clients, managing the practice, uh, being a leader and mentor for, you know, um, everybody here in the, in the team here. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a full plate and I'm just, I'm just curious how, how tough of a transition was it to go from, you know, being a judge and being a judge for a long time and kind of going back and being on the other side, kind of where you, where you started really as a, as a prosecutor, but you know, being on the other side, was that a, was that a big, did you have to kind of reinvent yourself or was it, did it just flow seamlessly going back to being a lawyer? It, it was a, it was an interesting experience. I, I had a conversation with a, a person who's a sitting judge now, who's a friend of mine. When I decided to make the transition, I went through and told each of the judges, I'm retiring, I'm not going to run for this bench again. And when I did that, one of the judges said to me, uh, I could never do that. And I said, what do you mean? I could never, going, I could never go back to just being a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time thinking, just a lawyer. What, what's that like, just a lawyer? Because really, your lawyer, being a lawyer, is the one that controls everything. You decide what to argue, what to, what to ask the court to do. You are the one advocating for your client. And that's something that I always missed as being a judge, is that advocacy. Uh, but the first case I had after I got off where it was a contested hearing and I went in front of a judge, a judge I knew, it was a judge in Dallas, it was very odd. I had a hard time separating the idea that I'm deciding an issue and listening to both sides to I'm advocating for an issue and a particular point of view and a particular interpretation of the law. Uh, and, and that translation, that movement, to advocate wasn't as easy as easy as I thought it would be, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I it's funny because I five years later, six years later, after being on the bench, I'm in a hearing five or six months ago, arguing a point, and I'm in a, making a very passionate argument, have a witness on the stand, and as I'm asking this witness this question, the other side stands up and objects, and I turn around and said, "Overruled." Yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> 
as long as you don't overrule yourself. But I mean, I could just see it. Like, it's just instincts, right? It's just literally. And everybody stopped. And the judge laughed. And the opposing counsel, thank goodness, laughed as well. And the judge looked at me and goes, you're right. Overruled. <laughs> and so I went on with my questions. Yeah. But it was, it's hard to get out of that mindset. Uh, but it really has been a gift. It really has been to find that advocacy again and being able to take people and argue for their position yeah. in the courtroom. Well, you know, it's very cool that I get to see, too, as, you know, as I joined the firm and you've been very gracious, including me and, you know, a lot of what we do in the family law side. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having that context that you just described and having that experience, you know, we sit down and, you know, are discussing things and attorneys are discussing things and your ability to be able to share with them the insights potentially from the judge that they're going to be sitting with. And just that level of experience and kind of having the instinct saying, you know, that wouldn't fly with me in court. I don't think it's going to fly with you. Just, I mean, and the way we can add value to our clients, having that level of experience, having that insight, um, knowing what works, knowing what doesn't work, quite frankly, knowing the personalities of the people that we're arguing with and against. I mean, that's a, that's a tremendous asset, you know, that not everybody has. And um, do you do you feel that when you go into court, though, that there's an undue amount of pressure on you because of what you were doing prior in the court? I, or, I don't know that I've ever considered it to be more pressure. I agree with you. It's invaluable yeah. that I have that insight and to be able to use that. And what I always preach to every attorney we work with here, everything has to be viewed from what the judge is going to see, what the judge is going to think. Because that's the person making the decision. And what you have to do is you have to make the decision you want the judge to make the easy one mm-hmm. for the judge. And if you view everything through that lens and how it's going to be received, it's not about how you send it, it's how it's going to be received right. that matters. It makes all the difference. Uh, when I go in the courtroom, I, I, I was wrong how much... I, thought, I knew I missed advocacy. I knew I missed the, the thrill and the fun of the argument. That's why I wanted to be a lawyer in the first place, is that the fun of the argument. I didn't realize how much I missed it until I had the opportunity to go in there again and make those arguments. It's, it's exciting. It's fun. I never really considered it as pressure. Now maybe I will. I don't know. Thank you. Well, you know, it's interesting <laughs> you mentioned that because those who you watched the last podcast with yeah. Todd, you know, asking what, what, you know, how did he know or what were his attributes younger as mm-hmm. how he wanted to become an attorney. And, and, you know, people who know Todd, I asked him this question. I said, were you argumentative? And, of course, his answer was, no, I'm not arguing. I was just a smart ass, but yeah. argumentative. I could answer that. But it's interesting, mm-hmm. though, that you mentioned, though, mm-hmm. the, the, the thrill of the argument, mm-hmm. right, you know, as an attorney. So a um, couple more things, though, real quick. So within all of this, though, I, I think you, you definitely have, you know, um, an extremely well-known, especially throughout the state, right? And it's what we call alternative dispute resolution, mm-hmm. uh, also known as mediation. I mean, you get called from all parts uh, to mediate cases. Can you talk a little bit about what that is, what alternative dispute resolution is, why it's so important to what we do, what you do? Um, and, and I think also a little education on people, because I hear people use the term mediation and arbitration in the same sentence, and yet they're very different things. Very different. So could you give a little, little you know, kind of piece on what you do? And, you know, and, and how you've been able to obviously accumulate that reputation, but then talk a little bit about the differences between the two. And I think what really enhances that is the judicial experience. So having been through that place of being a neutral 
and making the decision has enhanced my ability to translate that into a place where I'm a neutral, but I'm not making the decision. I'm trying to facilitate the individuals in the disagreement to make the decision for themselves, keep that control. Litigation is a horribly messy process. Mm -hmm. It is high pressure. It is high risk. It is expensive. It is honestly a last resort. The last resort should be going into the courtroom. Mediation is a off-ramp on the highway to litigation. Mm -hmm. It is a place where you can go by, assess, and make a mm -hmm. smart decision for, your, for you, for your kids, for your business, whatever it is, about how to lower the temperature, how to reduce the conflict, how to find a resolution that makes sense. It's not going to be everything you want it to be, but it's also not going to be everything the other side wants it mm -hmm. to be. It's a compromise to keep the uh, something, some semblance of control over where you are. Because mm -hmm. when you're in the courtroom, it is, it's war. It's war. And you want to avoid that at all costs if you can. So mediation it gives me the opportunity to work with people and say, listen, here, here's an understanding of what it's going to be like if you decide to go to court. Here is how the judge is going to treat that. I know because I made these decisions day in and day out. I was a general jurisdiction court. I heard family, civil, and criminal. I heard everything. Uh, you need to know how messy this is going to get mm -hmm. and the risk you're going to take to get there. After paying attorney's fees, because good lawyers are not cheap, after paying the attorney's fees to get there, you still may lose. Mm -hmm. So why not avoid that risk? Keep control of your case, keep control of your outcome, and let's compromise and move this case forward. Uh, if you have good lawyers on the case, if you have litigants who are willing to listen, you can make a lot of progress yeah. in mediation. I love the analogy of the off-ramp. Mm -hmm. Now, real quick, about arbitration, because people confuse the two. Can you right. talk a little bit about that? Arbitration really is a process that, that takes the place of the litigation model. It's still a contested mm -hmm. situation. You're not compromising and settling a case. You're presenting, instead of to a judge or a jury, you're presenting to an arbitrator the same issues that you would present in the courtroom. It offers a little more privacy, a little more control over timing because court's availability is dependent on how many other cases they have to decide. But it really is still an argument and a neutral who makes a decision. So somebody is dictating to you what the answer is going to be. It's just an arbitrator instead of a judge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, one last question, then we're going to, we're going to pivot here just for a minute. So one of the things that I've learned and that I never really thought of, and I don't know if people really think about this much, is that, you know, um, especially with family law, just the, the kind of mental strain and mental challenges that family law attorneys go through. And granted, we're, our job is to think about our clients, right? But the notion, let's, let's be honest, right? Our clients in family law, some of their best days are still really bad days. Mm -hmm. and, and we're in the middle of it with them. Over all of these years, how did you manage not to let the stress and strain and at times emotional discord, you know, get to you as a family law attorney? And, and that's the real challenge. And I, I talk to my younger attorneys about that all the time. The stress of this job can be overwhelming and burnout is very high. Um, my last job before I got elected to the bench was as the chief of the Crimes Against Children Division in the Concane District Attorney's Office. So I was dealing with nothing but child abuse cases 24-7 every day. High stress, high burnout, obviously miserable things to have to deal with. 
uh, on the bench, same thing. You're dealing with the stress. I, my wife used to joke about this. Yeah, I, I'm dealing with capital murder cases. I'm dealing with high-dollar civil cases. And I'm dealing with family law cases. The cases that literally kept me awake at night were the family law cases. Mm. The ones where there were allegations that you had to sort out and try to decide whether they're true. Um, part of my mantra has always been, we're trying to make this better. We are trying to fix it. Uh, we can't stop that whatever the bad thing is happened or that you're in the middle of a bad situation. We're here to try to make it better. And so the idea that you're part of a solution of trying to move this forward helps perspective and helps attitude. Yeah. And I think it makes it a little easier to deal with the high stress we have. Yeah. No, that's, I, I appreciate that. And so let's, let's change a little bit. Um, so being very transparent with you, you know, when I first met you, uh, not that I know a lot of judges and thankfully haven't appeared in court too many times myself, um, but I think there are stereotypes, right? So you, 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 see, you see a person that's behind with this black gown on, right? Mm -hmm. Or cape in your, in your regard. Sure. Um, but you don't know who the person is. You just have this, so the stereotype is either you're Judge Judy um, or, you know, or you're a Supreme Court judge or, you know what I'm saying? And um, meeting you, I would have never, with your personality, your sense of humor, just how you view things and, you know, so not the judge. I would have never someone said, okay, this guy's a judge. But is that a challenge? Do, I mean, do you get stereotyped as being a certain way and having to act a certain way and... You know what I mean? And is it a stereotype that, you know, bothers you or? I think people who don't know me have a certain vision of what a judge is. And it's usually that somber, right. slightly overweight, <laughs> wearing the white wig, <laughs> and uh, what would be called in some situations a resting bitch face. Just, you know. <laughs> uh, and that's never fit me. Right. I, I, I've always been a person that... Uh, I took pride in my ability to connect and communicate with other people. Even in the courtroom, uh, I was one that tried to put people at ease. Right. Now, I expected behavior to be on point. I sure. expected you to be prepared. Right. And there was not going to be compromising in that area. But I wasn't going to be overbearing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to insist on imposing on you yeah. whatever morality or viewpoint I had at that time. I was simply going to give you an answer the best I could and try to get it right. Um, and part of that um, is counter to what a lot of people see as the stereotypical judge to be. Mm -hmm. The reality is judges are just human beings. Yeah. They all have their faults. They all have their quirks. They all have their likes and dislikes. And part of your approach when you're tailoring your argument for a particular court or a particular judge is kind of knowing those things. You alluded to that mm -hmm. earlier. It, it isn't, the judge is not going to, no judge on the bench is going to do me a favor simply because I'm a former colleague. They're going to follow the law. They're going to do what they think is right, as they should. But if I know their particular quirks, their particular likes, their the way they view things in the world, it helps me tailor my arguments to what that particular worldview is. And you'd be foolish not to think that an individual's worldview affects the way they rule. Yeah. It absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, was, I, I was, you know, uh, I remember when we first met, and I wasn't even sure. It's like, you know, when you're a retired judge, do you still address, you know, you as Judge Oldner? And I remember you just saying, no, call me your highness, which I thought, 
okay, says a lot about the ego, but no. Anyways, it cracked me up because it completely, because, you know, I had this certain, what am I walking right. into? And completely, like, no, it's all cool. It's going to be just <laughs> fine. So I appreciate that. So we just got a couple minutes left. Okay. And, um, you know, this has been great. People have gotten to know a little bit about your background, but also your passion for what you do, what you do for us here at the firm, your leadership role, people you work with. We're going to play a little um, true-false uh, so people can kind of get to know you personally, even just a, a little bit more. Um, so first one, tr true or false, um, Billy Corrigan and Smashing Pumpkins is one of your absolute favorite bands. True. For those of you under the age of 30 watching this, just Google Smashing Pumpkins and, and you'll figure it out. Um, true or false, you come to work every day on a skateboard. False, although I wouldn't mind it. If I were close enough, maybe. <laughs> So you had mentioned early uh, on that uh, you were actually appointed as a, a state district court judge by Governor Rick Perry. True or false, you've actually met Rick Perry? True. Okay. Although he didn't actually do the interview. That was his office and the appointment secretary, but I have met him. You have met him. Okay. Um, so one last one. And one of your, I think, claim to fames is really that uh, in your all of your time on the bench, um, you have never had a ruling overturned, uh, at least in state court. And we did some investigating. We found out that actually, though, prior to that, you actually did have a ruling overturned. I think it was probably during your Collin County bench days, maybe. And I know you're not nodding your head because I know this is a very sensitive uh, area for you, but you actually did have uh, a ruling overturned. And... Um, if we can cue the tape, maybe we could show you the attorney that actually had you overruled. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Crazy white guy dancing at the Mavericks, who is now your partner in the law firm, is the only attorney to ever have you overruled. Well, my, my, my record is not as perfect as that, but uh, you can imagine the brilliant lawyers who make argues in front, arguments in front of me, the, the sophisticated <laughs> intellectual exercises that take place in these environments. And you would expect only the highest quality attorney to be able to accomplish that. <laughs> and, this, and this is what we have. <laughs> so this is the great thing about the firm. I mean, what are the odds of this, right? We can't make this up for this podcast. This is actually true. But this is really the cool thing about the firm and how much I enjoy it too, is that, that um, you and Todd are extremely talented in your craft, very different people, very different approaches. And when you put it together, it's just amazing. But um, it's funny because uh, I think it was the third thing Todd said, oh, by the way, I've had him overruled. <laughs> he, he's a little yeah, too I proud think he's of that. a little, little yeah, proud of that. Proud. I think you handled it very well. But Even the appellate courts get it wrong sometimes, so that's okay. <laughs> but anyways, hey, listen, thank you so much for Enjoy. taking some time. Yeah, sure. And this, is, this has been great. And we want to maybe dive in deeper down the road into some other areas. For all of you who've been uh, watching us on uh, Bar Talk, we really appreciate it. Please make sure that you hit the subscribe button, the like button, send us comments, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time on Bar Talk. Thank you very much. Thank you.